1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of BXB. It's Bronx Baseball, the Yankees podcast from Odyssey and WFAN. And we are streaming live on Twitch if you are joining us here, along with my co-host Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy, and our special guest today is Yes Network Yankees reporter Meredith Morakovitz. Meredith, thanks for joining us.
2: Hello, 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 greetings from Walnut, Pennsylvania.
1: Good morning. <laughs> You're usually in some exotic locale, and this happens to be not quite as exotic.
2: I mean, exotic in some ways. No, there are a lot of great cornfields around, which is really sweet to look at. You know, the sunrise is always beautiful. Get to hang out with my parents and my grandmother, Shirley, who's turning a hundred next week. So if that's wow. not reason enough to come home, I don't know what is.
3: The century okay.
2: mark yes
3: <laughs> happy birthday to her
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely that's amazing 100 is fantastic um there's listen meredith there's lots of things we wanted to get with you about and and discuss with you so uh let's dive into it a little bit uh we saw the first part of your interview with hal steinberger on the yes network earlier in the week i believe tonight is part number two is that correct 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 all right so listen what were some of your takeaways? well first of all what are what are we going to see tonight? I know you don't want to give everything away because we want people to watch, but what are some of the topics that you get into tonight with Hal that people are going to want to pay attention to?
2: Eric Handler would be so upset if I gave it all away, but we got to give like a little tease, right? Uh, We talk a little bit about how the organization has been run, their emphasis, of course, on the analytics side of things and also trying to have a perfect marriage between that and pro scouting and exactly where Hal thinks they're at in those areas right now and where he thinks perhaps there could be improvement. Also, just talking about the Fan base, it is clear Yankees fans are not happy. They haven't been in a world series since 2009. That's a fact that we don't all know. And he continues to talk about the family's commitment, both monetarily uh, and by providing all the resources to try to get this team back to another world series and to winning another championship. So that's a lot of his message in the second half of the interview. But some of the things that stood out to me so far with the interview, obviously the conversation regarding Aaron Judge, Brian Cashman. Uh, But just overall, I think a lot of times people look at Hal and say he's not his, he's not doing it the same way. And the reality of the situation is the game has changed a lot since George was the owner of the team. And there are a lot more teams with a lot more resources than there were back then. So you kind of have to go about things perhaps a little bit differently now. Does that mean the fan base doesn't want him to go out there and spend bucks on Aaron Judge? No, I think they do. At the end of the day, they're still the Yankees. They still have a lot of money. They can still afford those major contracts, but I think they're trying to do things creatively in the sense of making sure they have a more rounded roster, well-rounded roster, whereas we saw in years past, uh, going back to the 2021 season, there was really no balance in that lineup until so they tried to do something at the trade deadline. This past year, a ton of swing and miss in that lineup they tried to address that obviously DJ LeMay who was there and injured but with Ben Intendi at the deadline so I think there's going to be more focus on contact hitters and more focus on you know a bit more well-rounded roster.
3: Meredith uh, I want to ask you about preparing for the interview with Hal Steinbrenner did you write the questions um, and how long was the whole like taping the total time it took to record the interview?
2: It was about 20 to 30 minutes. Hal is always extremely punctual. He was actually early for the interview. We were luckily ready to go. Um, And I kind of just sat down, went through some of the stuff that had happened since the postseason, made sure I read all the articles. I was obviously a part of a lot of those postseason interviews already. Uh, and was with the team the entire year and for the last 11 years. So it wasn't like I had a deep dive too far into certain things. I, I have a good handle and really know what's going on with this team. So, uh, yes, I wrote the questions. Um, we have a producer there on site. Should I miss anything or should something need to be kind of cleaned up a little bit? We will do that. But it's pretty straightforward and In the way I wanted to approach it, and the way I I thought fans would maybe want to hear from the owner, I try to keep that in the back of my mind. What would the people want to know? What do people need answers to right now? Now, a lot of times, Keith, you know this, you can ask a question and people don't like the answer. Just because you asked the question and didn't get the answer that perhaps people would have preferred doesn't mean that the question wasn't asked. So um, that's always kind of a. Balancing act in making sure you ask the correct stuff, and then also trying to follow up a little bit as well.
1: Meredith, I've, I've, that's I've used that explanation so many times to people when they talk <laughs> about things. It's like uh, I can't. They say, "Why don't you ask them this?" Well, first of all, I have. I Most can keep times. asking them, but you're not. I can't make them change the answer to your liking. So there's really no point in you know yelling at me to ask them this question because you know asked and answered, as they like to say. Yes. Um, I I think one of the things, Meredith. I don't even know how many years in a row you've gotten to do the season ender with Hal. Have you done it? Have you done one of them
2: every year? Um, I think we might have taken a break. 2020 pandemic year we may have done it via zoom but it's it's worked out nicely he is for the most part down in florida as am i so i'm able to scoot over to steinbrenner field and i want to say it's been at least the last five years i think so right so i
1: i guess what i what i wanted to know is how you feel uh like you you get a little bit more closer access to how even if it's the 20 or 30 minutes at a time than most people do so I'm wondering, like, how do you feel like his tenor has changed over these last few years? Because one of the number one questions that I get a lot is, you know, why doesn't he care as much as we do? Why doesn't he seem to be? And, and you kind of address that because people equate caring to firing everybody and making big changes. And I know that's not the case, but I'm curious as, as you see him just kind of like how he how he, you know, mannerisms and how he answers the questions over the last few years. Do you, can
2: you give people a sense of like, yeah, he does care. He just shows it differently oh, like, than maybe yeah, you or I, I think- would. I think he cares tremendously. I think he is bothered by the fact that this team hasn't found a way to win and why they haven't found the right formula to be able to get it done over the past couple of years. And I even think in this past interview, you see him maybe a bit more edgy than we've seen him in past years in the way he's answering the questions. And I think he really does not like necessarily the narrative um, that's out there right now that the Yankees don't care that they're cheap, that it doesn't matter if they don't win a championship, because I do not believe that that is the way that how Steinbrenner feels. And I don't believe that that's the way the Steinbrenner family feels. I think it's very hard to win a championship and do it year after year. We've seen the Astros go on this little bit of a run where they've had a lot of postseason success. But I think it makes you look back to the late 90s, early 2000s Yankees and just realize how special and how unique that was because it's not easy to do that does not happen every day in this sport and when you look at the last 10 plus years that it's evident it's evident that that was something that was so unique and so special that you know it's it's tough to duplicate, but that is the model at which a lot of Yankees fans compare every Yankees team to. So when the bar is set so high, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be, expectations should be through the roof when it comes to the New York Yankees. When that bar is so incredibly high, trying to match that on a yearly basis is not easy.
3: Something that stood out to me and I think other fans was that Hal kind of alluded to wanting to see Oswald Peraza and Anthony Volpe in the middle infield did he misspeak or was he trying to hint at a potential for them to be uh, the starting shortstop and second baseman or them both to be competing for the shortstop position Uh, what did you think I mean I know it's produced I know it's cut up and clipped but you were right there asking the question uh, how did that come off to you
2: I could tell you that was not produced or cut up that answer by any stretch of the imagination. And I, it did, I wasn't necessarily taken aback by it because we have seen a little bit of Peraza, We have seen a little bit of Cabrera. Cabrera has certainly played extremely well Peraza, when given the opportunity. And it's an area where they'd like to see more. And I think it's very clear from the ownership side that they think maybe those guys can be impact players next year. And perhaps they are ready. I think they go into spring training with the plan. I think they go into spring training, Training with the idea maybe one of these guys can win that spot and I think you even go back to last year when you had you know major free agent shortstops on the market and I think some of the hesitation was well we have these guys in the pipeline we're not sure if we want to pull the trigger on a guy like a Carlos Correa now should they decide that these guys aren't ready what is the plan if you go into spring training thinking that those are going to be the options well then you're You know, you're backpedaling a little bit, but I think he firmly believes that those guys could be staples in the middle infield. If not next year, in the very near future, they are going to get significant looks. And I think the fan base is clamoring for them. And then from the perspective of these guys are young, they're exciting, and they're cost effective. I think you look at that as well and say, okay, now can we do some other things? Can we go get more pitch? We're going to need a ton of bullpen help after last year. And, oh, yeah, what's happening with Aaron Judge?
1: Yeah, we'll get to that. And, um, you know, Keith, I kind of read it the same way Meredith did in that, you know, these guys are going to get a chance – but it would be a mistake, I think, to just jump right in and say uh, Oswald Peraza is a shortstop, Anthony Volpe is a second baseman, and that's that. I mean, you're asking for things to potentially go awry. I think we've seen, you know, we've seen it happen when you rely too much on young, inexperienced players right away and ask them to do too much. But I, you know, I think Peraza's it's Peraza's job to lose in spring training and Volpe, who only really touched AAA, uh, will get a chance to, uh, get, I'll finish off a little bit more seasoning and maybe join them at some point during the year is how I think it, Uh, ideally would play out for them. Um, But part of having a young shortstop is having veteran group around him. And the Yankees made a pretty big move by bringing back Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Having an experienced first baseman and a good defensive first baseman for a young inexperienced shortstop is probably a very good thing, Meredith. And on top of that, you see this, I think, more than anybody – His impact in the clubhouse and his impact as a leader amongst that group, Um, you know, listen, they can call Aaron Judge the captain if they re-sign him, but Anthony Rizzo is probably, I would
2: think, you know, the unquestioned leader of that team. Would you agree? He is a major, major voice in that clubhouse. And look, he's one of the guys that has been there before. He has won a World Series. The guys in that clubhouse certainly listen when he has something to say. And Sweeney, I'm with you. Like This is a move that made a tremendous amount of sense to me. The only X factor or question mark that I would have about it is the back issues over the past couple of years. He said that is not an issue anymore. He believes that's behind him. That's something that we certainly will keep an eye on. Uh, But aside from that, he asked, some balance to that lineup. He's a guy who has a plan when he goes to the plate, and we've seen the difference when he is not at first base. He makes an impact there. And then you mentioned the leadership in the clubhouse. I think that's so valuable when you're trying to attain the ultimate goal. Having somebody that has been there before that is a voice, a voice of reason sometimes uh, when things are going poorly. Because it's easy to get along when everything's going well, especially the beginning of the season. But when you have to overcome some adversity, which in Inevitably, every season in some way, you will have to come some type of adversity to have a voice like that in that clubhouse is invaluable.
3: Yeah, I look at Rizzo as a guy that helped the Cubs win a World Series after 108 years. Can't be that much harder to get it done in New York. Um, (laughs) Now, going back to Hal's conversation, right, uh, I actually was on air at WFAN until 730, and I was able to get off and... Watched the interview as I was walking to the train, and
2: okay. The next were day, screaming? were you screaming at the screen? Were you liking what you were hearing? Where were we <laughs> no, at? Because I, was I know just you like live and die with the with the pinstripes.
1: It's kind of like yeah, you all right, crazy people on the subway talking to themselves. That's what he was.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if you were looking at me, I'm like, what do you mean? Consider Aaron Judge's captain. Um, so <laughs> the next day when I got on air, I said, man actions speak louder than words and now we're in this twitter verse where there's fake accounts twisting some of Hal's words right um someone put out a, a quote from Hal where it was along the lines of something like oh we'll sign aaron judge if we have room um there was another right. quote where they were kind of like embellishing on what he said and they're like um yeah we got the money to sign judge and we won't be outbid now he didn't say that but his actions speak louder than words to me because we also heard on Monday that the Astros were targeting Anthony Rizzo. He was their number one target. And immediately, Hal's like, no, that's our guy. He's re-signed. And it was for Yankees fans. I got on air the next day before they even finished my intro music. I was like, let's go, Yanks. Like, it was a big pick-me-up. So um now we're going into this, like, uh Aaron Judge sweepstakes. Rizzo makes us also feel like we're closer to landing Judge because – We know they're friendly. Um, Can we speak more about the considering giving Aaron Judge the captain and um, also how how basically spoke about we're going to make other moves. We're not going to just wait on Aaron Judge. Like, did that come across as sincere? Like, hey, we have the money to sign Judge, but we're also going to be active in free agency while we pursue him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you need to fill out a roster. And and Sweeney, we've seen over the years, like it's one of the most difficult things. And when you have this marquee free agent, one that you've made very clear, you want back for not only next season, but obviously many to come. He means so much to the fan base. Obviously, they would be so disappointed if he's not in pinstripes next season, especially coming off the 2022 season that he had. At the same time, can you stall everything and then not land Aaron Judge? Then you're in a world of trouble. So it is really, you know, I've used the term many times throughout this, a balancing act. That's one of the things that Brian Cashman, who still, to my knowledge, has not officially signed a contract, um, (laughs) uh, you know, has to to deal with in, in saying and having those conversations, Hey, we want you, we want you, we want you. But at the same time, we can't hamstring ourselves where we don't have a serviceable roster if for some reason this doesn't work out like there could be a team like the San Francisco Giants even the Dodgers that go out there and just absolutely blow him out of the water and the Yankees say like they did with the Robinson Cano okay like mm-hmm. we're just not doing that that just doesn't make sense for our future I think they're going to do everything they can to get Aaron Judge just because of the things I mentioned at the same time, when you're in free agency, you never know. Everybody thought Freddie Freeman was just going to be a brave, a brave for life. That's not what happened.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think the Yankees are kind of in in an interesting spot here, Meredith, because, you know, we entered the baby bomber era in 2017 and tried to ride that through. You mentioned earlier, like what an advantage it is to have young cost control players. And that's what the Yankees were trying to get through and win championships with that group. Uh, But now they've left that cost control uh, era uh, with that group of players. And obviously Aaron Judge is going to cash in. We've seen, you know, Gary Sanchez got jettisoned in part because he started making too much money for the production he was uh, giving. Glaber Torres might find himself in that same boat. But the Yankees are probably in a spot here where... We haven't seen in almost 10 years because when you mentioned Robinson Cano, it was that same offseason where they signed Tanaka and Ellsbury and McCann and Beltran, right? They went full force. They tried tried it hard. Yeah, they went yeah, And
3: Gervis Salarte, they signed too. Remember
1: that? <laughs> But we were talking about, you know, people talk about 2009 as being the last time they really spent hard with Sabathia to share, But they tried it in 2014 too. It just didn't end in a parade. So I'm wondering if, you know, if you're kind of getting the sense, maybe, you know, and you know, part of your conversation with how that because it can't just be Aaron Judge that maybe they're on to this part where they know they have to maybe spend a little bit more, or maybe they're not going to compete with the Dodgers and the Mets and try to outbid each other. How do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you certainly have to weigh all your options. I, I think they will spend money this off season. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I don't know that they'll pivot that hard uh, as they did in that 2014 season. What you didn't like the Ellsbury contract suite yeah. <laughs> it work out for you or Let's anybody? He's got
3: the Ellsbury jersey in the background.
1: Twenty two back there, yeah.
2: <laughs> right.
1: no, uh, that's
2: he, was a lovely, he was a lovely man, but man, that was one that just did not work out. And even when it happened, it was a bit of a head scratcher of like. Wow. Okay. This is the direction they're going. Interesting. Red Sox. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Uh, But I, I do think there's a plan. I do think they realize that they need to spend money. I do think there's somebody across the way that is going to continue to spend money. And I think that probably puts a little bit of pressure on the Yankees to, to be that team that goes out and gets some marquee players. And, you know, at the end of the day, the only person that knows where Aaron Judge is going to land is going to be Aaron Judge. Now I'm hosting his charity event tomorrow alongside Susan Waltman. Uh, so I'll certainly ask him what he's going to do. He's not going to tell me, but hey, I'll ask the question, right? Maybe um, give you the answer that everybody wants, Meredith. I don't care. the question 14 times in a row if you have to. He'll be like, you are now cordially uninvited to host this event tonight. Uh, But it should be a fun one. But I know that's going to be the topic of conversation. Guys, I have to tell you, it's so crazy. People are so in on this. I was coming back from, oh, God, I don't know, one one of the 97 trips that I've taken within the last three weeks. And twice we had people from TSA just say, Hey, I knew that was you. What's up with Judge? Is he signing? (laughs) It's crazy. Anywhere you go, people want to know. And unfortunately, I don't have all that much more to tell them other than they're trying. They want him. They are hopeful that he is back and in right field for a very, very long time.
1: Yeah, you're stealing that out of my playbook. I do this exact same thing. It's, uh, yeah. That's this is what happens, Keith. You know, I, and I think I am mean, you, you probably found this too. They're going to ask you all the same questions. You got to prepare for all the same answers.
3: <laughs> they don't ask me anything. I'm usually ducking and running and out of there. But um, so, uh, and Judge is just going to say to you, Meredith. He's going to say, Yeah, yeah. You know, well, oh, we're going to see how things play out, and he's not going to give you any exactly. kind of answer. He's
1: earned that. This is his yeah. one chance. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
3: And, and along those lines, I've been speaking about how Aaron Judge has hit free agency after this 62 home run, uh, you know, chase for the Triple Crown huge year. And he owes it to the Players Association and the people coming after him to test free agency and actually go around, see how much he can get, how much he's worth and sign the biggest deal like that's part of it. Uh, These players fought for free agency, fought to be able to do this. And now uh, Ken Rosenthal's article comes out last night while I'm on air around like uh, 1030 or 11. And there's talk about, I guess, tampering. It's uh, MLB investigating the Mets and Yankees for improper communication about Aaron Judge. And you had your interview with Hal Steinbrenner. You couldn't ask this question but I think it's kind of interesting because most of the hosts, even like our Mets fans host at WFAN, they've stopped talking about the Mets getting Aaron judge because there was kind of like a handshake deal that we knew of between Hal Steinbrenner and Steve Cohen. Hey, you're not going to go after Edwin Diaz. We're not going to go after Aaron judge. You're not going to go after Jacob deGrom. Like we'll do you a solid type of thing. Uh, I guess now the question for you is, what do you think is going to come from this? Do you think there's going to be like, I don't know how it works. And Sweeney, you can weigh in, too. Like, does the Players Association, in conjunction with the MLB, work with them to investigate this and then punish the Yankees and or the Mets? Like, I don't know. This is like in the NBA when they have tampering, um, you can lose draft picks, you can get fined. But I don't know what comes of this. I don't know. I think it's going to be a great topic today for New York radio because it's Mets and Yankees fans coming together like, hey, we're in trouble.
2: Now well, we're in it together. Go ahead, Mel. <laughs> I was going to say, now we're in it together. No. Um Yeah, I, I mean, it is certainly a touchy subject that – Certainly was not necessarily out when uh, I had done that interview, but we are not going to know for, I'm assuming, quite some time what the findings will be of that. And, sweetie, I'm sure you can weigh in a little bit more, but, you know, any player wants every team involved, and it is their right to have every team involved. So certainly serious allegations.
1: And I think, listen, and it's something that I I talked about last week, uh, is that, you know, when when you hear even whispers that there is some sort of handshake agreement, well, the players usually to say, that sounds very collusiony to me. Okay. Yeah. And that's a history lesson that everybody needs to know, uh, because of how seriously damaged, uh, the relationship between owners and players. I mean, it has everything to do with all the animosity that we saw a year ago. Uh, you can trace it all back to, you know, there is not a lot of trust between the two groups, which is why it ended up where it did. Um, you're not allowed to depress. This This goes back to even not that far back either. Remember when Brian Cashman said the Yankees were not in on Bryce Harper because they didn't need an outfielder? And the very next day, he said he backtracked it by saying we're a fully operational Death Star. It's because it is written into the CBA collective bargaining rules that you are not allowed to depress a player's market. Um, you, know, you can't say you're out. You can You don't have to bid on him, but you can't publicly say we're not interested because that affects the player's market. So that's why you get a lot of these weird answers where nobody really answers the question because they're legally not allowed to. And I haven't seen Ken Rosenthal's piece yet, but, Keith, this is the kind of thing that you're talking about. You're not allowed to bring a player's market down. And when the Mets say they're not – if they even hinted that they're not going after Aaron Judge or if the Yankees even hinted they're not going after Edwin Diaz, And they never really had the opportunity because he signed within that uh, early window. Um, You're you're bringing the players market down. The players union, I know for a fact, had paid attention to that even before any of us did. Yeah.
0: Okay. picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
4: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best the power of their data wasabi another boston-based championship team
1: um meredith this event with aaron judge um tell us a little bit more about it i know i've seen the um uh i've gotten emails about virtual people can still attend virtually is that still a thing
2: I believe it is. I think they are completely at capacity when it comes to the physical event, but I knew there was a virtual component uh, and there will be a question and answer session with Aaron. I know a bunch of his teammates are going to be there. As I mentioned, Waldman will be there with me. And uh yeah, like I said, I know the question is going to be asked and we'll see how it's answered as to whether or not he's going to find himself in New York next year. So it is tomorrow. I am not going to tell you where it is, but you can probably find that out and it should be a fun time.
1: All rise foundation. Uh, yes, for Aaron all rise.
3: Yeah. I don't get the invite. uh Let us know how the vibes are. Let us, let us know if it looks like Aaron judge wants to still be a Yankee and, uh, how he's vibing with his teammates. Um like
2: how far are we diving into this? If he shows up in a pinstripe suit, do I take that as <laughs> like, okay, this nah, is definitely he's it's he's a leader, your-
3: he's the man, he's the guy. You you would never be able to tell anyway. He's so like straight faced and uh stoic at times. he's he's great. But um, here's two questions that I have for you. Let's pretend you're Hal Steinbrenner, because these are two questions that I would have liked to ask. Uh, Hal if I ever got the chance so uh, one of my favorite moments from Hal in the last year was us watching the lockout and they're monitoring who's walking over from each side to the other side we're getting tweets like play-by-play from the different um, reporters that were out there and it was like one of the last nights before the lockout ended and the first person to get in his SUV and get out of there was Hal Steinbrenner so the first question is what was going on Hal what what what, what well, when was, sure. were, were they ordering more pizzas yeah, yeah. did they run out of coffee what was it that made you decide hey i'm going to prioritize my sleep i'm getting out of there okay. <laughs>
2: Uh, maybe all of the above. I have no idea what was going on there. I just know from the reporter's perspective, and Sweeney, I know you followed a lot of this as well. The um the attempts at ordering pizza to that contingent just seemed to fail on a daily basis. And I don't know why it was so hard, but it seemed like they were all tired and hungry. But we thank them for their coverage during that time.
3: Okay, here's the second part now. Uh there's a, a lot of conversation this off season about The fans booing the players on Derek Jeter night, you walked out with a check for Derek Jeter's foundation. And as soon as you crossed the first baseline, you were booed. How? How did you deal with that?
2: Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you asked that because you're going to hear that in part two, Mr. McPherson. You will hear that in part two of the (laughs) interview, a question that had to be asked and a question that really is on the fans' minds. Hey, do you hear it. You hear it. Does it mean anything to you? Does that bother you? How do you feel about that? Does that make you want to change the way you operate or do business? So you'll have to tune in. Like I think
1: we will. Yes Network Hot Stove uh, Edition. It's coming up yes. Thursday. night. I think it's six o'clock uh, on Yes Network. Is that right, I Meredith? believe
2: we are six today. Yes. It, okay. it jumps around a little
1: bit. And then obviously it's on all the socials, on the Yes Network socials, on your socials, everything, yeah. everything gets posted and clipped after that, right? Yes, 100%. Fantastic. Um, listen, I i mean, we could go on with you for a long time. Maybe we'll just have you back later in the offseason. Keith, you have anything else uh, in the interim for right now for Meredith?
3: No, obviously, Meredith. I'm a big fan. Uh, got to meet you a couple times this year. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You're great. Keep doing what you're doing.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. And Sweeney, if you can find me, I can join you. But you know me, I'm jumping around a lot this offseason. I'm
1: telling you. it's. I mean, I think the, you know, what, maybe 24 hours after the season ends, like it's, you know, where in the world is Meredith Morakovitz? is the game that we're Her
3: on. and Susan Waldman need a Yes Network show where they go to different places and try different foods and uh, different tourist attractions. Uh, I don't know what they'll that's call it. Just, Su- Susan
1: just, and
0: Meredith,
1: and right. just come on, we, they don't need a show for that. that's Meredith's Instagram. Are they're you? already doing it. That's
3: what I'm saying. The yes, network can send a camera crew and a producer to get that done.
2: I think it would be a hit. And uh, okay. Susan and I have been dreaming for a long time that we're going to take a trip to Alaska and do dog sledding. So oh, I feel like man. That That's will the pilot
3: episode. That's yeah. the pilot episode, right there. That would
2: definitely be part of it if we ever get the show done. But we have talked about it. It is a possibility, and we will keep you posted.
1: That's fantastic, uh, Meredith. Listen, thanks for all the time this morning, uh, getting up for us, and happy birthday to your grandma. I um, mean, fantastic celebrating a 100- hundred. Man, that's, uh, that's amazing. Hope everybody has a great time. We'll watch for the interview on Yes Network. And it's obviously, it'll be, as I said, it'll be posted on all the socials. Part two of the interview with Hal Steinbrenner. And have fun and good luck. Tell Aaron we said hi tomorrow night at the uh, All Rise Foundation dinner. And hopefully we'll get to see a lot of him for the next, I don't know, six, seven, eight, or nine years. Or <laughs> whatever it it's
2: a sliding scale. Forever.
1: Yeah. Forever. He's forever a New York Yankee. Mary, thank you a lot. Appreciate it. Right.
2: Have a great day.
1: All right. That's Meredith Marakovich from the Yes Network. Kind enough to join us here on BXB, Bronx Baseball, the Yankees podcast from Odyssey and WFAN. Uh, And you can find her everywhere. Well, You can find her. It's hard to find her, as she said, Keith, because she's usually jumping around. (laughs) In real life, yeah.
3: Digitally on the the Yes app, you
1: can find her. Absolutely. Um, So let's dive into this a little bit more um, with Anthony Rizzo. I mean, we've hit on a lot of those things. Bringing him back was a, was a, Key move. We hit on a lot of things about the clubhouse presence and the the championship ring. Keith, that's a big thing for me because we've talked about that before. Uh, and you know, you talked about this a little bit too. Just having guys with championship experience. You know, winning one with the Cubs, like you said. You know, it's not even about the drought. It's the for me. It's the fact that. The Yankees have always had guys who had rings yes. right? and like you had leaders who said, I know what it takes to get to the world series and win it. And they don't have many of those last year. There were only three players in the roster that had a world series ring. One was a role as Chapman. One was Marvin Gonzalez and one was Anthony Rizzo Rizzo is the only one that I think, you know, of those three coming back, obviously. So I think it was important if I did my quick research correctly I've come up with only two seasons in the last hundred years of Yankee baseball in which they didn't have a player who won a World Series ring. 1970, 1974, um, kind of lost years for the Yankees. But otherwise, there's always somebody on the roster who knows what it takes to get to the finish line. And that's why I think it's important to bring Rizzo in.
3: Yeah, it's experience. It's uh, you know, I know the tournament is different now. I know the postseason. The way that it's set up now is different than in the past. But that experience that Rizzo has of just knowing how to have the the right temperament, how to prepare and, uh, you know, what it takes. Like he was in one of the greatest World Series we've seen in the last few years. Like, you know, that took everything um, for the Cubs. And then he also was a part of Chicago. That city was upside down for that parade. And I know that he wants to win one in New York. He said he loves being a Yankee. He showed that he wanted to be here. He handles the fans perfectly fine. Like, I never hear him say anything about the fans and the media. He speaks well to the media. And like you said about having a ring, uh, you were in the Captain Doc. Derek Jeter talks about how in 2000, right, these guys leaned on each other and said, hey, we've done this before. We know what it takes. And that experience is everything because, you know, you could be in a series. Look at the Astros, right? The Astros go down 2 1 in a series. People are like, Phil's in five. The Astros are like, Phil's in five. It's a seven game series. Yeah. We know what we got to do to turn this around. And then they come out and no hit the Phillies, and the rest is history. Having guys that have done it before is important. And there is no more CeCe. There is no more Brett Gardner. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know how to do something, how do you know how to do you, you don't know what you don't know. And Anthony Rizzo is a leader on the team. He's friends with the future captain of this team, like buddy, buddy, best friend, BFF besties. <laughs> I just I think it was I think it was great. I, it, it fired me up this week. It, it re-energized me. Like I said, actions speak louder than words. I didn't even give that Ken Rosenthal report that, oh, the Astros number one target is Anthony Rizzo because they're losing Gurriel and Trey Mancini. I'm like, OK, that like you think Rizzo wants to go over there? He sees how hard these fans go, how these fans hate Houston and i feel like he's already got the the yankee blood in him so it's great to you have
1: know, great, but listen business is business and i thought i thought it would have been bold move on the astros part to say all right, Anthony. Here is a five-year deal.
3: They don't move and, like that. that, and and that's something I was thinking but too. But, I'm
1: like, right, because they listen. They let Correa go. They let Springer go. But they've got money to spend now. First base is a giant hole for them, as they discovered. So they don't I have a GM. They don't have a GM. Pretty cool I think, for them to make a play to force the Yankees to maybe giving them a deal that that you know that they didn't want to. But obviously, it ended up being I think a pretty solid deal for both teams. Uh, for both sides, I should say, and um, I think the idea—we and we mentioned it earlier. I think it's really important with a rookie shortstop to have a guy over there at first base who knows what he's doing.
3: Rizzo cleans everything up, and I make sure I say that. I'm like, you know, it's it's great to hit home runs, and it's going to be great when they ban the shift to see him uh, get some singles and some knocks that you know would have been taken away with that extra guy in the outfield. Yeah, but uh, please do not forget that man is Gold Glove over there. He scoops, he stretches out, he cleans up the infield. He's the one who famously told Rugnet Odor at third base, not a third baseman, throw it anywhere. Just throw it over here. I'm going to get it. So good to have Don Antonio Rizzo back in the Yankee family.
1: You know, you can say that, but until you've seen, actually watched The Godfather, Keith, I'm not like, you know, you can't be bringing that Don Rizzo stuff to me. Come on i get it from the bleacher creatures they all yeah, do the yeah they yeah. all do the don antonio <laughs> no, 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 no. you can't be calling him don until you've actually watched the godfather and i
3: have i watched it a long time ago i just don't remember it and there's uh, no way i have the time to revisit that oh now. my
1: gosh you don't have the time oh, i gotta
3: get the youtube uh there's definitely a youtube 15 minute version that i can. no
1: no, no 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 oh my gosh you maybe, you around, was, the holidays, oh maybe around the holidays sweetie maybe around the holidays. Are you you're a 15 minute version of the Godfather yeah, and you I need the spark notes good? of it. I, I it. I know I watched it. I know
3: I know I watched it years ago.
1: Okay, okay, that's fine. You've actually seen it, but don't tell me that you're going to catch up on a 15 minute version. There's I mean, got to
3: be. There's got to be a, a fast yeah, version yeah, where yeah, it just like, gives you the highlights.
1: What moron did that? You it's Somebody a did. masterpiece. Man. Everything cool. in
3: in this digital age now, you can digest quickly. Our social media is all like 15 30 second clips and it's like oh that's enough for me to understand what happened
1: (laughs) that is listen if you think you're going to reduce the godfather to 15 or 30 seconds let alone 15 or 30 minutes no 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 no. like it's a three-hour classic that you have to watch and then watch the the even longer godfather part two okay you need All of that, trust nobody, got time
3: for that. I don't got, oh, dude, I barely got the time to sit down and watch a three and a half hour baseball game,
1: yeah. And you don't always like how that ends, right? You're like, Boy, that was a waste of time,
3: yeah. Many times,
1: hours of this, it is not going to be a waste of time, okay. (laughs) I'm just and plus. This is always I, I like to think that I started this tradition, OK, because me and my cousins would get together on Thanksgiving and we would bring the DVDs. And we would instead of watching, you know, we got kind of got tired of watching the Lions and the Cowboys. So we would pop <laughs> in the DVDs of the Godfather and like this is our Thanksgiving. All of a sudden, there's a couple of TV networks that if you pay attention on Thanksgiving Day and Thanksgiving weekend, USA,
4: they're, they're playing the
1: Godfather, they're playing Godfather part two. It's like, hmm, where did we get this idea? I think they stole it from the Murdy family.
3: You never know. There might be a mole in the family going back with that info. Like, hey, Uh, I got an idea.
1: (laughs) No, no. All right. So listen, where are we? The latest latest on Aaron Judge is, as we talked about with Meredith earlier, that there isn't any latest, that he's going to make his decision. And Anthony Rizzo even talked about this because he was asked about this on a, uh, a Zoom conference call with reporters after they announced his contract, you know, he because the insinuation was, as you kind of talked about, you know, these two BFFs are now both coming back, and you know, Rizzo is kind of quickly to quick to downplay that. He said, "You don't have to be on the same team to be best friends," um, and he also said that this is really about, and I totally agree. The best decision for Aaron Judge and his wife. This is your one chance in your life, in your career, where you're going to get to decide where everything goes from here, where you're going to live, where you're going to raise your family, and what you want the rest of your life to be. Now, I think we all agree that it would look great if he's a New York Yankee, but he gets to make that choice. He has earned the right to make that choice, not the rest of us. And as as Rizzo said, he's really not going to try to put pressure on Aaron Judge. He's just going to tell him, do what's best for you and your family. And I think we all hope that that ends up being the New York Yankees.
3: Yeah, Rizzo knows what to say like Cashman knows what to say. And, you know, the rest of these GMs and guys got to know what to say in the media. I, I look at it like this. He did mention that, uh, you know, this is rare air. Not many guys get to this level after a historic yeah. season like that, like, You know, this is great for him. And they are friends. So I'm sure he wants his friend to get the bag, the biggest bag he can get. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm telling you, these guys are all in on winning a World Series in New York. They know what will happen. They know how close they were. They know they're right there. If they can beat the Astros and at least get back to a World Series, not even necessarily win it, which if they're going to World Series, they got to win. It's the Yankees. They understand the impact that that would have on their legacies, on the Yankees' legacy, but Rizzo is not going to mess up anything and uh, say, like, not even jokingly say, like, yeah, that's my guy. We're running it back. He's going – this whole thing has to play out. I'll add this. My mom texted me on the 10th, and she was like, Yankees signed judge. No exclamation point, no question mark, no period. (laughs) Just Yankees signed judge. (laughs) And I know that it, it would be impossible for that to happen on November 10th. Yeah, but I'm I'm a fan. So I, I see the notification pop up in my phone. I'm like, let me check. And I go and check Twitter. And I'm like, Keith, you're an idiot. You know that like this thing is going to play out over time. It wouldn't be done that fast. And so I said to my mom, where'd you get that from? She's like, "Oh, I don't know. I read it on Twitter. I was like, Ma, you have to chill with reading things on Twitter right now. You can't decipher who is who. What is what? And I know you're not clicking on their verified badge to see if they got a Twitter a Twitter blue verified badge or if they're an important person in media or news or whatever. So uh, I know this is going to take a while. Rizzo knows it's going to take a while. We've seen guys like Machado and Harper sign in February of spring training. They're doing their press conferences at spring training. I mm-hmm. hope Judge doesn't take that long. But uh, now there's a new wrinkle with this um, – you you know improper communication and we'll see what comes from that but i i I do want to see like i i don't care i want to report that aaron judge went back home and saw the giants and they whined and dined him and showed him everything like i want that for him i've spoken about myself with my recruiting visits i took one recruiting visit playing high school football you get five and i saw one campus james madison university And they showed me a bunch of things, and I was like, that's it. I don't need to see anything else. And then I transferred out of there in three semesters. I should have went and saw everything. I should have went and taken in everything, and I hope Judge does that. Go talk to these mystery teams. Go talk to whoever it is. But at the end of the day, Hal Steinbrenner pretty much came out and said, you know, we're going to do what it takes to sign our guy, and that's the biggest thing. He's our guy. It isn't like we're going out and trying to get some guy we don't already have a rapport with.
1: I thought you were going to tell me that, like, that was your mom's way of saying, like, like that's what she wants to happen. Yankees signed Judge, like, go do it, like, command a command, Keith, make it happen. Yankees signed
3: Judge, like, speaking yeah. it into existence. No, yeah. she she was saying it to me, like, I read this. Is this true? And Yankee, I'm like, do so not do not text me something like that because my immediate reaction is like, oh, I want to see the details of the contract. Let's celebrate. And then I, I knew. I'm like, it's November 10th. There's no way this got done on November 10th. This this might not be done December 10th. The winter meetings are the fourth through seventh. Like it's yeah. gonna take a little
1: while. It will, and he's earned that. And that's that's the way that's the way the process goes. And like for people who like question it, I, I tell it all the time, like you know, NFL free agency, NBA free agency, those are salary cap leagues. You gotta get your money now because it could be gone tomorrow, with somebody else. So, you know, it it feels like a jailbreak when those free agencies begin. It's not that way in baseball because there is no hard cap and the players have the leverage not the teams who operate under a salary cap. I think we kind of bury one of the things that we kind of all know because I, it's almost a foregone conclusion, I think. I don't think it'll be unanimous Keith, but I MVP, you know because I think there's though. enough love for Shohei Ohtani, but Aaron Judge is going to be the MVP by the time, you know, people, you know, uh, you know, have finished their dinner tonight. I would think that that's probably the case.
3: Yeah, and they're not going to play around with that. There's no reason to play around with that. The season that this guy had Like, what are we talking about? Okay, Shohei won it last year, and I understand that it was him and Vladdy. I understand taking the MVP trophy and giving it to the guy that did the Babe Ruthian thing that we never see in baseball. I get it, and Shohei is great and all, but uh, I think we we step into a a weird territory if Shohei is just the MVP every year, and you give it to him back-to-back years, in a year where Judge hit sixty-two home runs, we never see that anymore either. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to play around with that. I'm interested to see what the voting's going to be like, though.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I don't think it'll be unanimous. I think there's still some some Shohei love out there, you know, from people who cover the Angels and, and some uh, Yankee hate. You know, they don't love no, the Yankees when Yankee their votes hate. come through. No. <laughs> I feel
3: like that. I've always felt like that. I have a I have a long list of Yankee oh, snubs. God. Yeah. But Are you, you like- in the Baseball Writers of America? I'm not. I do not have a vote. Okay. Um, so I always disrespect them, so I wasn't about to disrespect said, them. <laughs> like <it's> a <an laughs> hard
1: job, because remember, it's like it's also an individual job. Like some, you're allowed to have your own vote, and the majority will win. Okay. Don't hate on the people who. If Aaron Judge wins the MVP tonight, and it's not unanimous, don't care. Okay. Just be happy that he won, and don't go hating on people who didn't vote for him. Okay, because the end result is all that. You know, Judge will be holding the MVP trophy and that's all you should care about. And there's plenty of Yankees. Listen, the Yankees don't hurt for awards and publicity and all that stuff. Okay, they get plenty of it. So as you know, Yankee hate is not about depriving them of things. It's probably it's just that they're. They're the team that, like the Cowboys or like Notre Dame, you either love them or They're the or marquee, hate and it That's comes it.
3: with the territory, right? There are 29 teams in the New York Yankees. And uh, as a Yankee fan, I just always felt like, oh, they hate us. They don't want us to have any more hardware, 27 championships. Speaking of Shohei, I thought Miguel Duhar should have been Rookie of the Year. I thought Gary Sanchez should have got Rookie of the Year over Michael Fulmer. I thought – Matt Suey, like I could go through all right. I thought Aaron, I thought Aaron Boone should have won manager of the year in twenty nineteen over Rocco Baldelli. Hey,
1: you're going the other way. You're you want all the hardware. You're not willing to give anybody anything. <laughs> Come on, you can't like Yankee hate. You know, get off of it. You're on the other side. We, we, we need it.
3: We're not getting World Series anymore. We uh, need we need the so trophies. We need The trophies. Oh, yeah. Actually,
1: hey, I want to. I wanted to. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to actually point out something that I, I, I thought was just kind of interesting and fun to, to fun to think about because the manager of the year this year, uh, the National League, went to Buck Showalter. Okay, and. Great. And let's keep in mind that these awards are all voted on at the end of the regular season. Postseason does not come into play. So at the end of the regular season, Buck Showalter taking the Mets from under 500 to where he took them, wins manager of the year. And that's great. And Buck has won the award four times. But I thought this was kind of interesting just to look at, okay? because I think we all put Buck in a certain category of manager. And everybody who's a Yankee fan puts Aaron Boone in a certain category of manager. And I thought this is interesting to see, okay? Buck Showalter's career winning percentage is 511, regular season. Aaron Boone's career winning percentage in the regular season is 603. Buck Showalter, now, okay, it's all about the postseason where Aaron Boone is only 14 and 17, okay? That is a 452 winning percentage. Buck Showalter in the postseason is 10 and 16. Which is a 385 winning percentage. Um, Buck Showalter is a very good manager. There is no question about that. But when we talk about things, we tend to have it fit our own arguments, right? Aaron Boone's a terrible manager because, you know, look at his postseason record. Well, what's Buck Showalter's postseason record? Okay, that has to be part of the discussion, too. And again, I'm not saying this to tear down buck showalter i'm saying this to say you know maybe that you know aaron boone actually does get some credit for the games that the yankees win and not just all the blame for the ones that they lose
3: yeah aaron boone has aaron judge buck showalter never had an aaron judge (laughs) i'm not no i'm with you on that like uh and i don't hate boone i just think you know some of the decision making is uh questionable but that
1: but but buck has the same things sure
3: and you know this is his fourth manager of the year and there he has his critics as well there are people there are Mets fans uh I I had some calls last night and I didn't take all of them but there are Mets fans that were like after he won they're like yeah I didn't like the way he managed at the end of the year well that doesn't matter he's still manager of the year he won 101 games he helped turn your franchise around um I'm happy for Buck he wins he's I think he's is he the first to win as a Yankees manager and as the Mets manager? I believe so, yeah. And yeah.
1: He won of times. But, like, to your point about, like, listen, postseason, right? Like, Brian Snitker and Dave Roberts and all their teams won a lot of games. They, you know, they ended up belly up in the postseason. You know, Dusty Baker, great manager. You know, a couple of weeks ago, he won his first ever World Series. He's been managing yeah. for 30 years. Like, he's won it. It's hard for- to do. It's hard to do, man. And you're always going to make decisions that, you know, one way or another affect things. And it's not always this, 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 and this. I think that bottom line, Keith, is because, you know, as you're a Yankee fan, you know, you just, you're expecting a World Series. And when it doesn't end that way, it's, you know, everything the manager does kind of leads you there. So he gets a little bit more of the blame. And that's understandable. But, you know, just got, thought it's interesting to point out that, you know, even the guys that we think are great managers – You know, they have their flaws, too, um, because it's hard to win championships.
3: Yeah. And they don't get to take at bats or throw any pitches. It is what it is. I don't know. I'm not expecting a World Series anymore. I'm jaded. (laughs) I'm expecting them. (laughs) I'm expecting them to go for it. I'm expecting them to be in the final four and now go for it in the offseason. And then depending on this offseason, we'll see how next season starts. But we know they're going to be in spring training like we're trying to bring a title back to New York we're trying to win the world series
4: okay?
1: and they should it doesn't, yeah, doesn't that's the mission statement every thing. year we it get every year come on we know that you know yeah they always want to win it doesn't mean wanting to win is not enough to make you win and because you don't win it doesn't mean you didn't want to win or try hard enough it just means you weren't good enough that's it
3: you play to win the game you play that's to win the game right. all the games be the Listen, last team standing
1: We've got th- thanks to Meredith Morakivitz for joining us. Uh, we've got another one coming at you next week. I think probably a day early because it's Thanksgiving and another special guest hopefully lined up for that one. Uh, make sure you go back into our archive. Our last episode, Nick Swisher, a lot of good stuff there. BXB is available from Odyssey. It's available anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff you can do all for free uh, anywhere you get your podcast. As I said, uh, from Odyssey and WFAN. Uh, Thanks to Meredith. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Chichester. My co-host is Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening.